Hello, this is Zach Cherian. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. We are really excited to bring you this teaching. Please open your heart, and if you can, your Bibles, and receive this word from the Lord, recorded live at Brazen Grace Fellowship. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20, 21, and 22. Don't you love coming to church? Amen. I don't know about you guys, I love church. Even when I travel, I sit at home. Wherever in my hotel, I think about, think about my church. I wish I was a church. I love what God is doing here. I love fruit. Amen. Amen. I love fruit. And there is no greater fruit than a soul saved. Amen. We didn't have it all figured out when we got saved either, did we? But yet, God saved us. Thank God He saved us. Amen. Amen. My sermon today is titled, The Promises of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20, 21, and 22. If you're there, give me a loud yes, sir. Yes, sir. For all the promises of God. Say all. All. Say all. All. For all the promises of God in Him. Who is Him? Jesus. For all the promises of God in Him are yes. And in Him, amen. I want to read it in the NIV. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and through Him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Next verse. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Who is it that makes you stand firm in Christ? It is God who makes us stand firm in Christ. Why? Because He anointed us. It's talking about in the past tense. Tell someone next to you, I'm already anointed. I'm not trying to get anointed. I'm already anointed. Next verse, please. Not only did he anoint us, he set his seal of ownership on us and all in the past tense, mind you, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You know how you, you, you give somebody something that's really valuable as a guarantee? I promise I will pay you. Here, keep this. I'm going to give you my watch. Okay, I'm going to give you my watch. I promise I'll bring you the money. You know what God gave us as a guarantee? He gave us His Spirit. Amen. He takes what I call the most valuable one and puts Him as the deposit in our hearts. Here's the funny thing. This is how valuable the Holy Ghost is. You can blaspheme the Father and He shall be forgiven you. You can blaspheme the Son and it will be forgiven you. But if you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, that's not talking about how bad, that's talking about how much He's valued. And God takes Him the most valuable thing and puts Him in your heart as the deposit. Now you tell me how much of value you are to God. Set His seal of ownership on us, put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. What is to come, it's talking about, is the promises of God. The Trinity are at work to get you what God has promised you. The Trinity is at work to get you what God has promised you. The Father promises it to you. We have access to it in Christ, in Him. And to make sure that God wasn't making this up, He puts the Holy Ghost as a deposit within us. 
He puts the Holy Spirit as a deposit within us. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in a hurry to make the promises of God become manifestation in your life. Can we read it in the ESV, please? I want you to see this in this version. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. Where is your yes? In Jesus. My question to you today is, what's your promise from God? Are you holding on to a promise? Has God promised you something and you haven't seen it? Have, has God promised you a word that you haven't seen the fruition of it? Has God given you something so great that you know by your own strength there ain't no way it's ever going to come to pass? Do you have a word, a prophecy from God? Do you have a business that's on the inside of you that is bigger than your smarts? Do you have an anointing for a ministry that's on the inside of you that's greater than anything you can ever come up with? Is there a promise you're holding to? Your promise, the fulfillment to your destiny, the fulfillment to the promise from God is found in Christ. Come on now. Amen. So if I want to go find the fulfillment for my promise, I got to go into Jesus. Here's the funny thing. You are already in Him. Hallelujah. For the promises of God find their yes in Him. Now watch this. That is why through Him we utter our Amen. God releases the promise to you. And it is a guarantee. The promise of God is released to you and guaranteed. But the only thing that is missing is your Amen. I have decided to live a life that says amen. I'm going to live a life that says amen. Zach, I want to bless you. Amen. Zach, I want to use you. Amen. Zach, I'm going to take you to the nations of the earth. Amen. What's your promise? What's your promise from God? The only way you can find it is in Christ. And when you are in Christ, there's only one thing left for you to do. That is believe. Say amen. amen. What is your promise from God? God is waiting for you to just say one big loud amen. 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 Now watch this. This is what the word of God says. For the promises of God are yes. Listen to me carefully. The promises of God are yes. I was taught all my life, God says, yes, no, wait, maybe. Yes, no, wait, maybe. This verse makes it very clear to me. The promises of God are yes. God, I hope these people love me when I'm done with this. God has released the promise and heaven has said yes to it. God says, I want to bless you and heaven says, Amen. There's only one amen waiting to be uttered. And that is your amen. That is your agreement. The word amen is more than just a word being released. It is a surrender to the word that God has spoken. It is a giving into what God wants over your life. It's a complete surrender. The word amen is saying, take me God, I'm yours. The word amen is God bless me, bless me, bless me. Bless me as much as you want to bless me. Amen God, make me look good because I ain't got nothing good in me. Amen. Amen. The promises of God are not yes, no, and wait. The promises of God are yes. In fact, Paul, if you read the verses this way and that way, says, when we give you a word, it's yes and no, yes and no, yes and no. But when God gives you a word, it is yes. Amen. What is your promise today? 
Are you wavering? Are you flaky? Are you shaking just because you haven't seen the manifestation of it? Just because we haven't seen it in our hand, have we just decided, well, maybe it's not God's will. Maybe it's not. Maybe you just need to say amen. Maybe God's just waiting on you to say amen. Listen to me. My question to you is this. What is your promise? What is your promise? What has God promised you? Y'all looking at me like, I don't know. Well, for that, you're going to have to read the word of God. For that, you're going to have to open the Bible and see God. What are you speaking to me? What's your promise today? I dare you. What's your promise today? What are you believing for? What are you standing in faith for? This is what Pris and me do. It's our habit. Whenever an attack comes, whenever the devil thoughts get real smart around us, whenever things come against us, we get into the word and we find every verse we can. You know why? Because this book, the Bible says, is given to me for me. So we find every verse that comes into agreement. Why? Because I don't have to ask God, Lord, is it your will for me to be healed? I am way past that demon theology. I know for a fact, beloved, I pray, 3 John verse 2, above all things that you prosper and be in health. Go read your Bible. Are you tired of money controlling you? Think about that. Are you tired of money telling you what to do? I am. Are you tired of having more month at the end of your money? I am. I want to have a lot more money at the end of my month. Beloved, I pray above all things that you prosper. So, what's my word from God? God wants me to prosper. So I'm going to run through the Bible, find every verse that talks about God wanting me to prosper. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to say, God, this is your promise. You've already said yes. Now I say my amen. amen. This is not just automatically going to come fall in our laps. God wants me to say, no, it's not going to happen. Until you say amen, nothing's going to happen. Amen is not just a word. Amen is a lifestyle. Amen is not a word of agreement. It's a lifestyle. Amen is a form of living. Amen is a style of surrender. It's a way of giving up to the ways of God. Amen is a renewing of our mind. Because it really takes a renewing of the mind to say amen to some of the crazy things God wants you to have. See, because you've been told so long, God wants you sick. God wants you broke so he can teach you a lesson. God wants to keep you poor so he can make you dependent on him. What? I come from India. India should be having a revival. Because all the broke people that are there. Being broke doesn't make you spiritual. It makes you needy. Being broke doesn't make you spiritual. Amen is a way of living to where our minds are renewed. Because until you renew your mind, you can't say amen to the promises of God. Abraham, I want to bless you and make you a nation. Hey, Jesus, come here, come here, come here. I don't know if you know where I'm from. What my family is from. I know you, God, and all you think big, but see, me. No, Abraham, I need you to renew your mind. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to change your name, buddy. I'm going to put the ha in your Abram. You know what the ha letter in the Hebrew is? It's the letter of grace. God had to put grace into Abraham's name so he started believing for bigger things. God had to change Sarah's name so she would start believing for things that are bigger than herself. When God came and promised her, she laughed at him. I have that happen to me all the time. When I give a word of prophecy to people, they laugh at me. And yet the funny thing is this. When God releases a word, it requires you to have a renewed mind because without a renewed mind, you will never say amen to God. 
I want you to prosper. You know what prosper basically means? It's not all about money. It's about being content and having more than you need in every area of your life. It's having more than enough. Why? Because God don't want you to sit there and wonder, Oh God, why don't I have any money to bless this person? I want to have every need met and have enough to bless at every need. At every chance, I want to have enough to bless the church, to bless the needy person, to take care of someone on the street. I want to have more than enough. God don't want to just give you what you need. He wants to give you what you want. Please listen to me. Please. I know you're sitting there fighting me. What are you? What are you talking about? He's a good God. He's a good, lavish, extravagant father. And if you don't renew your mind, you'll keep telling God, no, that's enough. You'll put limitations on the promise of God when God wants to give you everything. You will say, no, God, just give me this much. I only say amen to this much. Why? Because you're so stuck with your view of yourself, you can't get a view of your father. And your father wants to take your eyes off of yourself and look at how lavish he is, how great he is, how awesome he is. God is not limited by what, what, what you are or what you're not, but he can only do through you what you allow him to. Your amen is a complete death everything you've ever known your amen amen is not a word it's a lifestyle listen to me amen is not some cute word at the end of a prayer amen <laughs> amen oh my gosh when's he gonna stop let me say amen amen is just go with me I say amen okay I'm, I'm still not Americanized yet I still say amen if I say amen, amen. Good. I still heard one text and amen <laughs> Amen is, a, amen is a renewing of the mind. Amen is a changing the way we think. Amen is saying, God, don't let my limitations get in the way of your extravagance. Don't let my limitation of my thinking get in the way of you wanting to heal me. Not only heal me, but heal through me. How many of you believe that God wants to heal through you? How many of you believe that God wants to bless through you? Amen. For the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to? Awesome. Not to? Awesome. To give you a? And a? Well, duh. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says it this way, The thief cometh only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come. In the, in the King James, he says, I am. It's not even I have. He says, I am come. He's saying his name. I am come. That you may have life and have it more abundantly. All my life, I thought that Jesus was talking about the thief as the devil. I've preached messages on that. You've heard me preach it probably here. One day I decided to read John chapter 10 from the beginning. And when I started reading John chapter 10 from the beginning, I realized who was God talking to? He's talking to Jewish people. He's talking to Jewish people who've got an idea of who God is. And Jesus now is introducing himself as God. And he's saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was trying to change their view of who God was by introducing himself. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I and the Father and are one. I am the good shepherd. Turn to John chapter 10 with me. Come on. Let's read those verses. I'll explain exactly what he's doing there. John chapter 10. John chapter 10 verse 1, let me read at the beginning. More surely I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, speaking of Jesus, but climbs up some other way. Are you seeing this? It's talking about religion. It's talking about man's effort. The same is a thief and a robber. Now go down to verse 7. And Jesus said to them, more surely I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers. Now he's not saying they are bad people, but he's saying what happens when you follow them. He's saying when you follow or live by the law, which is what came before Jesus, what will happen is you will be stolen and robbed. Why? Because the law kills. But the Spirit, I love Susan Macy, gives life. The law kills, but the Spirit gives life. Jesus is not talking about the devil. He's talking about the law. But my sheep, speaking of new covenant people, do not hear them. Hear who? Hear what is coming through the words of the law. They hear my voice, Jesus is saying. My sheep hear my voice. They don't live by the law. Because the law, if you live by it, or listen to what it is saying, you will have theft and robbery. Go to the next verse, please. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pastors. Somebody say, that's the blessing. The blessing does not come through by keeping the law or by being good or by being doing good works. It comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only. And in Christ, the promises of God are yes. God is not the one holding it back. God is not the one stopping your blessing. God has already said yes. He's waiting for your amen. Verse 10. Now in the same context, it says the thief. The one who has come before me. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. He's just talking about the carnage that happens when you live under the law. But I am come that you may have what? Life and have it more abundantly. This week I was preparing this message and the Holy Spirit put this in my heart really strongly. Especially in the context of praying for our nation. When it comes to our own personal life, we live in the new covenant. Amen. I'm not under the law. There's no requirements on me. Jesus has fulfilled all of it. Amen. But as soon as we start praying for our country, that old habit slowly tickles in. That old little law thumping, huh? Stone throwing. It slowly creeps in. We live by one standard, but we pray for our nation with another standard. I already taught you in Colossians chapter 1 that the only thing that makes it legal for the devil to pick up the law is when you pick it up first. Amen. See, he has been disarmed. The thing the devil had against you to beat you with, the thief, the thing he used to steal, kill, and destroy was your obedience. The thing the devil used to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you was the law. He would say, look, they didn't pray today. Accident. Look, they didn't obey the Ten Commandments. Ooh, that guy checked out that other man's wife. He did. He would keep using the Ten Commandments against you to make it legal for you to die when you were before Jesus. Before Christ, the law can be used to beat you up. But now when you come in Christ, the law has to be thrown down by the enemy. He is not, it is not legal for the devil to use the law against you. God has disarmed all principalities. You don't believe me. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Come on. 
Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. If you're there, say yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on, some of y'all haven't even got to Galatians yet. <clears throat> Colossians 2, 14. You there? Yes, sir. Having wiped out, having wiped out the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. Don't let anyone ever tell you the law was for you. Don't let any, anyone ever tell you that the law was made to bless you so you can be a better person. It wasn't. It was contrary to you. It was against you. He has taken it out of the way, doing what to it? Having nailed it to the cross. And then what happened? Having disarmed principalities and powers. When Jesus died on the cross, so when you come to Jesus Christ, everything the devil had against you legally is now disarmed. The devil's got nothing on you. Amen. The devil has nothing on you Amen. until you pick up the law. Here are some ways the believer picks up the law when we walk in unforgiveness. <laughs> I used to say the unforgiveness was unforgivable. I don't believe that anymore. In grace, it's all forgiven. But unforgiveness is stupid. Unco unforgiveness is very stupid. Why? Now I'm holding something against someone. I'm saying they are guilty of something when I'm forgiven of everything. I've picked up the law. Are you seeing this? When you walk in offense against somebody else, you're walking in unforgiveness. You're picking up the law. You're saying, they did that. They did that. As if you never did anything in your life before. What are you doing? You're picking up the law. You are one of the Pharisees picking up the stone to throw at the woman. Jesus said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Uh-oh. But here's the funny thing. We don't drop the stone. We start throwing it. We start throwing it. You know what happens when you throw it? It becomes legal for the devil to throw it right back at you. Because the, the word Hasatan. Satan, the word Satan, means chief prosecutor. He knows the law better than you do. He'll find something you haven't done and whoop you with it. Hello? He's been disarmed. He's been disarmed. But when you pick it up, it makes it legal for him to pick it up too. Here's another way we walk in law when we're forgiven. When we pray against America, when we pray for America, we say it's time for America to repent. Unless America changes its ways. Unless America comes to its knees. There's judgment coming. Really? How come it ain't coming for you? But it's coming for America. Huh? How come you talk about you being forgiven of all your sins? How come you talk about yourself being blessed in the city, blessed in the field, and the curse was upon Jesus, but I'm blessed. But when it comes to America, you start cursing it. Why do you put conditions on America that God didn't put on you? 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14. We use this verse when we pray for America. Come on, who's read this verse before? Every prayer for America. That's the verse they use. If my people, who's it talking about? It's talking about my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, until then America is judged. So you're telling me that you are on a 24-hour daily basis humbling yourself. Huh? You're constantly praying. Oh, Right? You're constantly praying. Because that's what that verse says. And you are constantly seeking the face of God, aren't you? You little Pharisee. Huh? Somehow you can throw this in America's face, but you won't live by it. I have a word from the Lord, people. Listen to me. 
Let's stop playing games when it comes to this nation. Because the church is the one that is standing in the way of the blessing of the Lord upon this land. Amen. It's not the unbeliever that's standing in the way. It's the church that's lifting up the law and saying, only if we fulfill these should you bless us God. Why is it that when it comes to America, we want God to judge this nation so it will come to repentance. But when it came to you, it was the goodness of the Lord that led you to repentance. Oh God, send the hurricane. If God was trying to wipe that out, he'd have done a better job. If you don't believe me, go look for Sodom and Gomorrah. If God's trying to wipe something out, he wiped it out. You can't find a thing in there. 2000 and what y'all did you get married, Michael? 11? 2011, we're coming back from Atlanta after marrying those two. And we ran past two tornadoes. I'm not even kidding you. Trees flying in front of us. I came back and one guy called me, this man of God, and said, Well, bless God, because on that day there was 200 tornadoes. 200 tornadoes that hit that whole region. The tornado alley, they call it. 200 tornadoes in one day. You know it's the judgment of God against America. <laughs> I thought, man, if I was God, and I was trying to judge America, why the heck I go beat up the poor Bible Belt people? I mean, I started Washington, D.C. or something. So I'm whooping politicians first. Why would, I, why, why would I start there? See, church folk, we use different standards when it comes to our nation, the nation that God established, than when it comes to our own lives. When it comes to America, we pick up the law. We will keep the commands. Lord, we will. No, you can't. And so therefore, we put conditions on the blessing of God that God hasn't put on us. America is a nation established in the new covenant. That verse in 2 Chronicles was very specifically to the Jewish people. We're talking about a nation that God has established to spread this gospel to the ends of the earth. And we have put conditions on its blessing. And some of you do that to your own lives. Oh God, this year, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm, oh God, I, 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 I'm going to finish the Bible this year, Lord. If I don't, you, you, whatever you want to do. God, uh. See, the person that's hearing that prayer is not God. The enemy is hearing that prayer too. And he wants to hold you accountable of what you yourself put conditions to. See, he didn't do that. He picked up the law. Now it makes it legal for me to whip him with it. Are you listening to me, church? Why is it that when it comes to America, we have times of prayer. I'm all for praying for this nation. We did that today. But when it comes to praying for this nation, we change our face all of a sudden because we don't like the guy and what he's doing up in the presidency. Don't get me wrong. I don't agree with a lot of it myself. Don't look like I voted for him or nothing. Why do we put up in our prayer meetings conditions in the new covenant you want to see America come to repentance, beloved? Please hear me. I know this goes against everything you've been taught all your life. This goes against everything I've ever been taught all my life too. When it comes to America, when it comes to the new covenant blessing, God first blesses you and then comes the repentance. 
Don't pray for judgment to come so America will turn its ways. Pray for America to be so blessed so the goodness of the Lord will lead America to repentance. Church, listen to me carefully. This is how, this is how it works. God is not looking to judge America. God is not looking. In fact, God is not the one judging America. It's our own words that is judging us. Our own words in agreement with the devil. Our own fears. That's what's judging us. Listen to me. God isn't judging you, my friend. God isn't looking for an excuse to beat you up and find your sins and kill you. God is looking for an excuse to bless you. God is looking for you to just say, Amen. God is just waiting for you to wake up and say amen to the promises of God. Stop putting limitations and say, well, sometimes he does and sometimes that's your condition. That's not the condition of God. The conditions of God are the promises of God are always yes. He puts a seal of approval. If you don't believe my yes, let me put my Holy Ghost as a seal of approval. Yes. If somebody wants to give me something I don't deserve, I don't earn, I'm not going to try to pay him for it. Well, let me see. I got like $15. Can I buy your business? Unless you fully pay for it, it's still unmerited. If it's unmerited, why don't you just shut up and take it? Oh God, let me just fast and pray to receive my healing. Okay, then we'll wait for you to finish fasting and praying for you to get healed. If America will pray and fast and come together and come in sackcloth and mourning, which is weird because I haven't seen that yet. They all claim to fast and pray, but I ain't seen the sackcloth and dust on their head and all that. Because if you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it the way they said you to do it. Hey, where the sackcloth? How come you're not scraping yourself with coconut shells? That's what the prophets did when they fast. They would scratch them. Why aren't you doing that? Why, why are we looking all cute and cuddly and, you know, we fast for seven hours and we think we've done a great thing before the Lord? And God has, our prayer has ascended before heaven. You don't have to pray. You don't have to pray for God to bless America. God's already blessing. He's already blessing. It's blessing. Here's the funny thing. It's unbelievers that are picking up on it. While the church is putting conditions, there's guys like Bill Gates getting blessed. There's guys like Buffett that are getting blessed. While we're saying, well, if I, and then we're going to, and then if we keep the law, and then if we come, and if we obey, there's other people who say, I'm just going to get blessed. I'm just going to get blessed. Uneducated guys who've never been to school getting blessed. While we're putting conditions on the... I don't know if this is even coming across today. Amen. If we were the 12 spies today, and I'm done with this. If we were the 12 spies sent into America to spy the land. Go and come back and give us a report. Tell us how and why and how we're going to conquer this land. Which one of the 12 would you be? Oh my God, they got homosexuality there. And it's a giant. It has all kinds of perversion. Really? Is that the report you're going to come back to God with? Is that the report you're going to come back to me with? For God. If I told you to go look through America, come back. See, when you go there and you come back with a bad report, it's because you think it takes you to overcome that sin. It takes your ability to break that sin in that nation. You think it's going to take your strength, your prayer life, your ability to overcome the giants. God never asked you to check them out so you could fight them. God's plan was always shut your mouth and walk around for seven days. There were no knives involved. There was no battle involved. Just one thing, a big shout, amen, on the seventh day. 
That's all I need for you to do. I need for you to go, oh, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Would you look at this nation? Oh, God, burn down those immorality. That's not what Jesus does. You know what Jesus did with sinners in the Bible? He loved them. He fed them. And he hung out with them. It took a prostitute to help the spies get in. Amen. The future of America only looks bleak when the responsibility is on you and me. Amen. If we're depending on the American church to pray for revival to come, you know it ain't never coming. The future looks bad only when the responsibility is on us. Well, one of these days, God's going to come and burn this land. If God don't judge America for its homosexuality, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> I like how Andrew Womack says it. If God judges America for its homosexuality, he's going to have to say sorry to Jesus. Because he already punished Jesus for the homosexuality of the whole world. Boy, it got really quiet in this Presbyterian Amen. church today. Amen. He already punished Jesus for every sin any man could ever come up with. And this is not new. Y'all. This is not new. I pray. I pray that our church will be filled with people of every background. Struggling in sin. Bring them in. I'll take them. You don't want them in the other churches. I'll take them. I'll take all the messy, sinful people that are struggling with addictions, messed up identities. Bring them to me. Bring them to Brazen Grace. We'll take them. I want this church to be a church that is full of broken people, not perfect people. I want to have a sign out there that says, perfect people, don't come in. I may be perfected. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect, but I am forgiven. Forgiven. I want people that come here that understand that God loves them. I want atheists. I want people on the verge of killing themselves. I want those kind of people to come and say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. That's what this is all about. I'm not going to look at that person and go, well, if you will stop sinning. Well, why don't I wait for you to stop before you tell the unbeliever to stop? Let's just get real with this. There's people hurting, that are broken, that are living in shame because we've put up conditions there's only one condition by which man shall be saved. And that is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Let messed up people come to that Jesus. Let America come to that Jesus. Let's pray for America through Jesus. Because when Jesus looks at this nation, he can't wait to bless it. Y'all, I wouldn't even be saved if it wasn't for America. My pastor was an American missionary that died in India 40 years. He served there 40 years and died. I wouldn't even be saved if it wasn't for an American missionary that came. See that cameraman over there? He's traveled the whole world preaching the gospel like a crazy guy. Nobody paid him for it. He just went the whole world preaching because Americans are crazy like that. They don't care what anybody thinks. They will go to the uttermost parts of the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, trying to win some crazy guy running naked on the street somewhere. Saved. Don't even speak your language. That's why God established this nation. Don't curse it. Don't curse what God has blessed. Don't put conditions on what God has not put any conditions. 
You think it was perfect people that established this country? Go read your history. But I'll tell you one thing America was doing. It was running away from religious tyranny. It was a nation that was running away from a religious system that was bound by do's and don'ts. And they wanted this concept, a strange concept called liberty and freedom. And that's why it was founded on what this book says, where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. So my friend, when we ring the bell of liberty, may it not be because we have a bunch of holy, perfect people. May it be because of Jesus washed us with his blood. This gospel shall be preached in America. Not that other gospel that has been condemning this nation and telling them if they don't pray, it'll be cursed. If they don't pray, they'll be killed. If they don't stop doing this and if they don't stop sinning and if they don't become straight and if they don't. Listen to me, people. Listen to me. Let's stop this nonsense. Does God transform lives? Yes. But it is always the goodness of the Lord that leads people to transformed lives. It is always forgiveness first and then change. Stop trying to clean the fish you haven't even caught. And let's bring it back to what this book was all about. Forgiveness for God so loved the world. It doesn't say the good people. <laughs> it doesn't say the good people that change their lives so they can be holy enough. It says the world. And I'll tell you what the book of Joel says. This will mess with your mind and I hope it does. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Hey, don't say believers. I knew it would mess with you. That's why there are people in the business world that are poured, the Holy Ghost has poured upon them to prosper in business because church folk were too busy judging others. I don't know if you can feel the fire that's burning in me. God wants to bless this country and I've made it my mandate that we're going to start removing requirements that church people have placed upon the blessing upon America. I've made it my mandate that we're going to preach this gospel and tell the whole nation, listen to me, God wants to bless you, America. God's looking for a way to bless you. Look at unbelievers and say, God loves you. How can he love me? I haven't changed. He loves you in spite of your change. Come to him and let his goodness change you. This gospel, this gospel is what it's all about, beloved. This is what it's all about. I've made up my mind. We're going to change the mind of America with this gospel of grace. We're going to change the mind of America. That's why a church like this is so vital, y'all. This ain't a cute little thing where you can come be and see if they like it. No, no, no. We're in a nation-changing business. Can God use this to change a nation? Yeah. We're like the five loaves and two fishes, but He will feed the multitude with it. Amen. God will touch a nation. But Zach, I still haven't overcome my own sins. We all got stuff, man. But here's the thing we know for a fact. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. God does not hold your sins against you. Now listen to me. God is not holding America's sins against her. <laughs> oh God. God is not holding your sins against you. And he doesn't want to hold America's sins against her. Now there are many of you sitting in this room that are still living in guilt and shame. And you feel responsible every time something goes wrong. I want to break that off of you today in Jesus name. Every time something, a prayer doesn't get answered, you start looking at the sin in your life. It wasn't your holiness that brings it to begin with. It was the goodness of the Lord. That's why it's grace, the undeserved favor. That basically means it will only come to the unworthy. I want us to take all conditions off of us. Can we do that? Let's take all conditions off of our business. 
So the next time the enemy throws an attack against you, don't ask yourself, I wonder what I should have done. No, 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 no. Go and thank God for the victory. Amen. Get into your room, close the door and worship God. Worship God for the victory. Listen to me, the promises of God for you. What is your promise? They are yes. God says yes. He's not saying maybe, no, wait. Uh-uh. Write that down. The promises of God are not yes, no, and wait. They are yes and amen. The promises of God are not yes, no, and wait. It is yes and amen. The amen is your part. You want to say amen to the promises of God? Stand up. Amen is not a word, it's a lifestyle. Amen is not some confession, it's a lifestyle change. It's a surrender. Y'all want to come to that place of surrender? Where your life is an amen. <laughs> where your breathing is an amen. Like Paul said, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives in me. It's an amen. It's an amen, because the life I now live, I live by faith through the Son. As a sign of surrender, of giving up all conditions, of letting go of all rules you've placed on yourself, lift your hands and just surrender all over this place. Jesus blessed Zacchaeus before he even changed. Just say amen to the blessings of God. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can repeat this simple prayer with me right now, wherever you are. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you as I am and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is my Lord. I am yours forever in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today for this teaching. We would love to hear from you. You can write us at ZCIM PO Box 592675, San Antonio, Texas 78259. For more information on ZCIM, please visit us at zcim.org or on Facebook and Twitter at ZCIM Official. God bless you.